Craft Beer Radio, episode 412, on February 5th, 2017. And welcome, all you mini the moochers or otherwise, to episode 412 of Craft Beer Radio. This is Mini the Moochers. Jeff, give me a look. The song no, I, knew, I, knew, I knew. Okay. I, I didn't think I was giving you a look. How are you doing tonight, Greg? Oh, great. It's Super Bowl Sunday. We missed the halftime show because we were oh, talking no. about the pre-show. Lots of great stuff in the pre-show. Uh, um, uh, I have a day off tomorrow, so. I'm I know. You got that best places to work kind of day off. See so, great secular holiday. Yes. What do we got? What do we have on on shop? Uh, a bunch of beers I picked up at Whole Foods today. Right. Um, we got this pills. Let's do that first, eh? Yeah. Let's do that first, eh? We are drinking out of our barrel Age? collection glasses. Barrel aged glasses from Spiegelau. Those barrel collection or no? The barrel aged, right? Barrel aged beer glass. These are the ones we you know spent all last show talking about. So we won't do that this show. Mm-mm. Okay. So Blue Paddle, Pilsner Lager from New Belgium. Actually, look at that. It doesn't even say Blue Paddle on the label anymore. It 4. is. 8. I mean, there's there's a canoe with a paddle that's blue, but it just says New Belgium Pilsner. Oh, it says Bohemian style Pilsner. Yeah. It just says paddles. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I like it. I like calling things for what they are. Uh, 4.8% alcohol by volume with 33 IBU. They use a lager yeast, of course. Uh, the hops are used are Zots, Liberty, and Nugget. Nugget. Interesting. Just a nugget into a, into a um, Pilsner. Pale Munich Carapils and Aromatic Malts. Uh, they, um, they add calcium chloride addition to the mash tun and kettle. And lactic acid addition to sparge water in the lauder ton and kettle. Uh, and here's what, here's what they say that does. So the calcium chloride uh, in mash tun, which is basically a, a type of salt. Um, like mm-hmm. sodium chloride is table salt, but calcium chloride is another salt. Uh, it makes for a smoother, higher quality bitter. Uh, the lactic acid addition to sparge water in the lauder ton and kettle to lower total alkalinity to keep pH from rising and to better buffer from tannin extraction, which would cause a harsh, bitter characteristic. Science. Science. All right, this beer, beer pours is crystal clear. It is, um, it's a dark straw. It's not, I wouldn't quite call it golden. Yeah. The aroma of the Pilsner malt is what I'm noticing up front. Getting kind of a crackery, bread crust type aroma. There's a there's a weird like intersection here where I know it's not there, but there is something in here that's reminding me of Band Aid. Hmm. No, I mean from from my nose, the beer is clean. No, it, it, it's it tastes. It, t- it yeah. smells. It, tastes, yeah. it smells plenty clean, and I think it's the alcohol, the fusel, whatever note might be in there, just from the alcohol evaporation sure. uh, with the larger space. And I, I noticed a lot of pilsners. Like the first time I'd get a whiff, I have to kind of toss aside this little bandaidy note that I'm hmm. getting because it's not like it's not like the phenolic. Or the the the, the bandy note that you typically get when there's a spoiled beer, it's kind of a more fresh rubber. Okay, hmm. and it's just something that, that's hitting on my brain. I know that if I that I whiff it away, that if I go past it, I'll get the malty stuff. But I just thought it was weird. But here it is again. Yeah, I wonder if it's like something to do with DMS or something like that. Uh, I'm not smelling anything that's particularly adjacent to Band Aid. I mean, see, I mean, oh, I'm sure we got the same beer. Yeah, just. And, you know, as I continue to take a sniff of this, I am getting kind of a, a light floral hop on that. It, it's um, it, it's in there. It's it's moderate. It's light light yeah. to moderate. It's not you know uh, a big hop aroma on this. I think I'm starting to pull it apart. It's just like to get all together. It smelled kind of bandy, but as I pull it apart and get the different notes, I can see what made it and see that it's not just the plain rubber. It's something different, but. It, it's an amalgam that I was smelling. Under the flavor, the um, big body on this really nice malt body. It's 
kind of um, almost almost like it's really uh, sweet. It's kind of like a yeah, almost like, like a cinnamon biscuit. roll type bread or something yeah. like a biscuit or a cinnamon roll. Um, but it's 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 still almost like a sugar cookie actually more than yeah, yeah. that's it. It, but it, it finishes nice and clean. The hops are towards the end. But that malt is kind of the showcase of this beer, I think. This is really... Um, I like this malt flavor. Well, I wonder how much that acid addition in the calcium chloride plays a role in getting that... Because you know, you're talking about getting that smoother bitterness and the mm-hmm. and the, the, the alkalinity low. So that probably gets you know all these sugars out to, to really um, be defined very well. Well, yeah, dro- I mean, they... dropping the pH in your sparge water will, um, like I said, not leach as many tannins. So you're going to get like more of the the kernel, mm-hmm. you know. And you're, not, well, I guess the risk the risk of leaching tannins is because you're having a pretty neutral water to start with. You know, they put it in calcium carbonate, but you know the water is hungry to absorb stuff. So you know, put in that pH, the buffer, the the tannin extraction makes sense. I mean. It's it's kind of brewing science 101. It's not really anything that out of the ordinary. But, I mean, w- once you know how to, to use all that stuff to, to make your beer, especially with the water that you're able to source, um, things like Pilsner's, you got to put that effort in. One thing I actually really like is I can taste a nugget here. And I think it's being used very well. Because it's being used to to balance that sweetness so it doesn't get overpowering with a resiny mm-hmm. edge, because Nuggets is pretty resiny. Uh, it's kind of sort of tomahawkish, tomahawkish or, or um, yeah, CTZ, yeah, CTZ. So it has these you know resiny, kind of close to pine notes, not quite piney, but cl- yeah, I'm getting I'm getting it mostly in the flavor and the way that's different from many pills is instead of being a little more spicy mm-hmm. and you know like prickly hop flavors it's like you said it's more piney resiny so it's kind of uh it is uh i don't want to describe it i would say that you know it, it kind of it, it, the fullness of the body and kind of the fullness of those hops kind mm-hmm. of complement each other very mm-hmm. well uh it, it seems like all the things we just described you wouldn't expect the spirit to finish clean but yet it still does it has a really clean finish doesn't really stick on your tongue between sips I noted in the uh, pre-show that I'm done I'm done coughing except for when I drink alcohol. This is not making me There you go. cough near I'm still getting a little bit of the sensitivity. Now that you talk about it you're going to have to cough. But cuz it it it's a tickle in in my throat mm-hmm. that happens. Um but it's much less on this than on for instance the pre-show beer. So, it's interesting. I should make you some honey tea that you can sip. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I saw this on the shelf. Like, we, I don't think we've ever done Blue yeah. Paddle or New Belgium Pilsner. It's really well done. And, uh, yeah. It's a really fulfilling Pilsner, which <laughs> is not something you, you typically hear about when you think about an easy drinking beer, mm-hmm. but not a, not a f- uh, fulfilling one, not one that really you know, satisfies. Yeah, I think this one has that bigger mold body than you. For my first sip, I wasn't, I was thinking, you know, this is not necessarily what I'm thinking of in a Pilsner, maybe, um, Hellas, maybe Dortmund. You know, it's hard to say exactly what. I mean, they're all in the same relative ballpark, and I'm not complaining. I'm not saying the beer is mislabeled, but yeah, it's definitely more multi than uh, than many. Okay, let's do. Confetti was done. Okay, let's do this guy. Okay, so a couple weeks ago we had an Azaka beer that we loved. Here's another Azaka beer. This is from Flying Dog. This is part of their single hop uh, series. This is actually this one was out in October, but uh, on the label it says it's it's good until like March, uh, March or something. March twenty fourth. So it's good for another right. month and a half. So uh, if it's hop faded, it's their own damn fault for putting March twenty fourth on the label. True. The one that's currently out right now uh, is the one is the other one that you you picked up, the Denali, the single hop IPA. So I don't know it. I can read it off the Denali. But I don't know if, if the recipe is any different, so I won't. Yeah, I don't know if they just swap out the hops or whether they craft. Oh, the alcohol up. is the same, the same percentage. So I don't it's hard know. to say yeah. because you may want to craft your beer 
to showcase a hop, or you may have the same base beer and let the hops do the right. differentiation. Uh, not sure exactly which Flying Dog does here, so... Yeah, the only time we actually knew for sure was when Sam Adams released that pack with mm-hmm. the same beer and the different hops in it. I mean, Flying Dog's been doing the single hop double IPA series for, again. It must for be, years. It must be my, my nose today. They've been doing this line of hops, you know, single hop double IPAs for years. I mean, oh. I, I would say at least four years they've been doing these kinds of things. So I was just saying, there's that band-aid again. So it must be my nose today. You, you got a band-aid on your nose right there. Oh. You should, you should have took that thing off. Why didn't I do that first? Yeah, so this one does have some interesting aromas to it. It's nothing so run-of-the-mill. It's going to take me a second here to figure out what they are. Cantaloupe. Something blossomy, but I really can't think of anything. Else. So on the bottle, I'll, I think I'm going to start reading these descriptions that have flavor things on there because I I get to read them and you don't. Sometimes I read them and, and sometimes they they pop in my head without me, uh, without me realizing it. So I'll just say, uh, Zaka blah, blah blah citrus, tropical fruit aromas and flavors, specifically orange, pineapple, papaya, and mango. So kind of in our wheelhouse. In terms of what we want, we'll see if uh, that comes through. The color is a uh, a lighter copper. Maybe pineapple papaya that I'm smelling. I thought it was. I was getting like a cantaloupe or something like that, but I guess papaya is is also a good call. Very smooth body on this beer. It has a. Uh, almost like a creaminess to it. Well, I'm going to go read, go ahead and read uh, the Nolly Single Hop IPA stuff because I think, tasting it, I think it's probably similar or, or perhaps the same. Uh, the malts that are used are pale, rye, carapils, and biscuit. I can taste the rye in there for sure. Okay. Um... Pale goes without saying. Um, pale is just standard. Um, carapils, maybe like there's a little bit of a of a carameliness, but there's a lot of rye, there's a lot of spiciness, there's a lot of it's, yeah. I think rye makes sense. There's, I mean, I was mentioning, are you getting like a generally creamy body on this? No, thing? I'm getting no? a really kind of bitter edge and aftertaste. So when I poured this one, I actually did four. You, me, you, me. So I tried to, like, distribute the the, the things a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the rise, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a touch of wheat in, in the, what I'm tasting. Mm-hmm. The hop is, is expressive. It, yeah. It's definitely a lot of tropical flavors. A, uh, a lot more resiny than um, the one hop this time from Nairo. Oh. Yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly what that one tasted like now. I know we went goo goo over it. <laughs> well, there was a lot going on in it. There was a lot of distinct, like, different flavors happening mm-hmm. that, that were all kind of on the same chord. Or, or, or was it, I forget whether it was the one that was the same chord but all really nice, or whether it was, like, the one that was, like, a bunch <laughs> of different chords that were really good, harmonizing well. Yeah, the, um, I don't know, I'm having a hard time coming up with new things to say. It's really tropical, and if you like those tropical hops, then, then so this is a little, bit of... a little bitter zyphers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm fine with the bitterness. I mean, it's a double IPA, so the ABV is going to be up there. You know, you want 8%. You want the, um, you don't want it to be too sweet for that. But right. yeah, I mean, this is definitely a flying dog hopped beer, right? Yeah. The bitterness is apparent, and it's not like it's... All tropical fruit and parrots and geckos. Right. Mm, a gecko beer. <laughs> That'd be an interesting take on the meat beer. <laughs> endangered species. Are geckos endangered? No, no. I didn't think so. Because, I mean, why would you be able to have pets with endangered species? 
No, I was just making a joke. Bad joke. <laughs> endangered species fear. Hey, with eight endangered species. Well, technically, Azaka hops are probably an endangered species, right? If you, I bet that they're pretty well controlled, and you could conceivably wipe them all out. <laughs> You never hear... Um, they're not really considered a species, right? It's not... Yeah, you never really hear about biodiversity yes, with it's cultivated it's crops. Variety, you know? It's like... They have different types of apples, but apple is not a... Uh, <laughs> the different types of apples aren't really considered different species. I was listening to a podcast a, a couple months ago about developing new varieties of apples. And, like, that is... That's a tough business. I'm not going to really, you know, go get too sidetracked here. But I mean, uh, if I can think about what podcast that was for the people listening, it was really interesting. There's a couple farms where these guys just develop apples and they walk through the orchard. They pick an apple off the tree, eat it, you know, bite it, throw the, you know, just one bite, you know, and they're looking for that tree that is different. But then once they find that tree, then they cut it, right? Then they, then they do, because you can't let it breed. Because then you lose that quality of apple, so you have to do cuttings like you do. Yeah, I'm not sure about the cuttings part, but I mean, but it's you know the amount of time from there until it's going to hit mass market grocery store shelves is so long because the time it takes for orchard tree to grow, you know, and all that. So like people were working on the next new apple variety, and we might see it in like 15 years. Right, but I mean, think about it. If, If you had a variety and then you simply let it grow and then you would lose those things because it's going to mate and change and do different things. So you have to do cuttings. You can't just do, you just can't plant the apples and have it be the same thing. Well, you could plant all the apples off that one tree. Or, but that, no, I guess no. no. Because, yeah. They're all yeah, different. Because, yeah, everyone's going to. We have to take that one apple seeds, right, and then grow that one because you're tasting an apple, right. right, which is going to be. But an apple comes from an ovary, and the ovary was fertilized, and so each fertilized those, by a different tree. So, you, so the, each each of those apples is going to have a slightly different seed in them, right? So you find the apple, you're going to have to take that apple back, get all the seeds out of it, grow those. Well, no, you need to find the apple that grew that tree that you wanted, and get the seeds from those apple from that apple, that one apple. But no, but you can do it by cloning. Are, you have, no, you have to clone. You have to do cuttings. But every apple in the tree might be different. Yeah, like every apple in the tree is, is going to be different. Right. Well, every apple in the tree. No, every apple in the tree is going to be the same. The right. seeds are going to be different. No, they might be fertilized by different. But that's the seeds. Oh, that's the seeds. The the. Oh, okay, it's that tree. All right, that makes more sense. Yeah, the seeds are going to taste different, but the apples. Right. The seeds are going to be different trees. The, part of the tree. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry about that. And it's something I didn't want to get into. <laughs> okay, so on to... I immediately smelled the mint. On to the Stone Mint Coffee, Coffee Milk, Milk Stout. So I grabbed this one uh, mostly because... Well, if if I didn't have experience with Stone and Mint in the past, I would have passed it because that sounds weird. Mm-hmm. But they did the mint chocolate chip beer a couple of years ago, and it was really well done. Now the thing that I'm still worried about is this beer, this bomber was only four ninety nine, and that's an unheard of price for bombers in Pittsburgh. Well, this so. is a very limited distribution, also. Oh, so yeah. it's in California, Hawaii, uh, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, uh, n- New Jersey, Maryland, yeah, Virginia, and Virginia to New York, Virginia to Massachusetts, not Delaware. Interestingly enough. All right, yeah, huge mint aroma. The mint is kind of a little bit of peppermint um, candy smell, but also a little bit of fresh mint leaf smell. There's something that's a little green in there, too. 5% alkaline volume. Special ingredients are coffee beans, milk, sugar, fresh chocolate mint, and peppermint. Coffee aroma is well masked by the mint, but after my fourth sniff or so, I'm able to pick out a little bit of coffee aroma. 40 IBU. So peppermint and chocolate. They say on the bottle, drink fresh or cellar up to 12 months. 
That would be interesting. The um, caught the mint. You know, it's a similar minting as to like the mint chocolate chip one, the one that's like the kind of mint you taste when you're eating mint chocolate chip ice cream. It's a very similar type uh, experience when you take a sip of this. The coffee is uh, a deep second place to that. Yeah, the mint comes through pretty strongly. This is a this one is from their Richmond uh, brewery. It says right there at the mm-hmm. bottom. Oh, cool. I, I assumed most of the stone beers we're going to get anymore will be yeah. Richmond. And I would uh, shouldn't matter. They should they should take into account the local uh, breweries' uh, nuance to to make the same beer. Well, it's it's like that Budweiser thing, right? They had to try all the right. beer from different places, and they get it. <laughs> I don't know. Stone goes to the expense to get it shipped in every day. I don't even know if Budweiser does that anymore after, <laughs> after the merger. Okay, um, kind of muddy in the flavor. Uh, a lot of mint. Um, not a whole lot of chocolate. A little bit of coffee near the end. Uh, kind of um, the body seems less full than the blue paddle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, for for a milk stout, the body seems a little on the light side. For a coffee stout, you know, it feels like spot on to me. Kind of the bitterness from the coffee, the stout, you know, that body part feels right in line with my expectations. So you're not getting a work coffee taste because you're not getting much of a coffee taste at all. And and mm-hmm. it's there, but it's it's pretty minor compared to the other notes. The mint note is really kind of taking over the beer. Yeah. Um, it's not great. It's It really is kind of what I would expect out of a second-tier grist house offering. <laughs> not an exceptional brewery like Stone. Um, I know it, it. It's not really appealing to me that much. Okay. I mean, I think it's fine. It's not as good as the mint chocolate chip that they made previously. Uh, one of the main reasons I bought this one to see is if they could do that again. Um, I think it's fine. I think the peppermint flavors are still authentic. They're not gimmicky. They're not syrupy. I. In, for what it is, I am enjoying the mint flavors in the beer. Uh, the coffee is kind of... It's its such a distant second. I won't say it's lost, but it's not really adding much apparent coffeeness to it on its own. Okay, do a lot of cleaning on Yeah, yeah, rinse well. Um, and then, the, yeah, the, the milk and sugar that was added to it is kind of... Maybe, maybe that's why the body's down, right? The... Right, um, the sugar in there would have you know given it some uh, out- gravity without contributing much body. <clears throat> okay, nice healthy rinse. Get all that mint out of our glass. So hey, you want to help the show? Well, there's a great way you can do. It. It's easy and fun. It's so easy. You go to Cramazon.com. Cramazon. <laughs> I didn't think about that at all this week. We're going we're, we're gonna to register some uh, goofy top-level domains right. to make it easier for you to remember. And now that he put it out there, I guess I'm going to have to register Cramazon.com. <laughs> Cramazon. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon or Cramazon. Cramazon. Cramazon.com. Just go to Cramazon.com, and uh, that'll be the same as going to CraftBeerRadio.com slash Amazon. Never go to Amazon. Go to Cramazon. <laughs> I wonder if that's allowed in the... Um, probably not. I wonder if that's allowed in like the agreement. The, the um, Probably not. If you're going to keep talking about it, keep the, keep uh, the song going. I wonder, I wonder if that's allowed in the, uh, what's a, you know, the agreement for... Uh, I'm guessing. Not, I'm guessing you probably can't do a top level domain. It has to be like a link to something clicks or, or I don't know or a forward that. Goes. Well, we've committed now. We got to register. Amazon. No, it's, already, it's already registered. Because already says you can buy this. I mean, it's already been registered. It doesn't go nowhere. Oh, 
Well, well, I thought one of the one, I thought that was one of the ones we looked at last week that was available. No, it's not available. It's, it no. says it's available. That just means that somebody owns it. Oh, why would anything close to Amazon be available? Because gods <laughs> were shining on our. Oh, don't go to Amazon.com because apparently we can't register it. <laughs> okay, so what... I'm going to register something easy and short and fun to remember, but not this week, I guess. No, Amazon.com. Craftyradio.com slash Amazon. So we have uh, from Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head. One of their, uh, one of the, not their first can, but uh, I haven't seen many cans of theirs. Yep. This is Flesh and Blood IPA. 7.5% alcohol by volume, 45 IBU, February, December. Is that it's released? But it's pretty, but, but the date on the bottom, the can was uh, canned January 12th. So. Nice and fresh. <laughs> Even though they say release February and December, they're still doing it in January. Um, what this is, is a uh, citrus IPA. It has orange peel, lemon flesh, and blood orange juice. Okay. Sexy can, dogfish. I do like that artwork. There's a picture of uh, of Sam, always always a uh, photogenic Sam. He's got that. Uh, he does have a photogenic uh, chiseled jaw. Yeah, and he has a right. what looks like a, a very similar snifter to these, but has but they're dogfish head label because I can see that on that. Yeah, so this beer is super clear, but a lot darker than I would have expected. It is kind of a mahogany. Well, it's like that blood orange, right? I mean, they said they use blood orange juice yeah. in here, so probably that contributes some. So it's like this medium dark brown. The aroma on this has uh, some pithiness to it. Um, kind of. It feels a little cold. Let's, where's the temperature again? Uh, right here. I'd be surprised if it's cold. Well, I guess it... it's at uh, fifty-seven on the surface, which means it's only about fifty-four or only so. Only fifty-four. I mean, maybe the can, since you know it's a shorter, squatter uh, vessel. Less, yeah, it's less exposed. It has uh, it cools cooler or cools slow, warms slower. All right, that's, that, that's right. Reaches equilibrium. Slower, right? Less surface area. All right. Even though you think that they can, I mean, yeah, thinner. Well, I mean, it, you're you're trading off a couple different things, right? You, right. Aluminum is more conductive than glass, mm-hmm. but it's thinner. Um. But the 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 shape of the container matters. So right. It sounds like another uh, CBR Labs well, experiment. I mean, so this can. Is roughly the same size as the interior of yeah, the, the bomber. Yeah. The bomber, right? So more of this bomber is exposed to the air, but the glass is better insulator. The glass is better insulator. It's thicker, so it's even a better insulator. Right. So what we need to do is we need to put ice water in a can and a bottle and measure the difference over yeah. time. You need to seal them up, though. How can you seal up a can full of ice water? You don't have to seal them up. Well, you could buy a Miller Lite or something. How am I going to measure the temperature of it if I uh, don't have it open? Well, you you would you would open it at various different stages. <laughs> so you want me to buy a whole case of Miller Lite? Well, it, it, it's just as cheap. <laughs> as pouring water into an open can? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. You can't account for... This opening is... I'll tape it off. It's good enough. Mm. (laughs) And then I'll do another experiment so we can document the difference between a can with tape over the opening versus an unopened can. How about that? If the material... You know, because the stakes are so high in this experiment. Well, let's raise them. Look, I'm saying that if we're doing an experiment based on the dynamics of a fluid then it makes sense to consider a fluid with alcohol in it, and it makes sense to consider a fluid that is almost all essentially alcohol and water with a little sugar in it, and that would be Miller Lite or, or some other light beer. Okay. All right. 
buy a six pack of Miller cans and a six pack of Miller bottles, and we'll do the experiment. Excellent. We got to buy bombers. No, because twelve ounces of beer. Keep it at twelve ounces of beer. But the okay, no. Right. no. So yeah, that's true. That's true. We can do the bottles because yeah, this, this felt warmer than that, right? And this that's in the flying dog, which is in a twelve ounce bottle, did feel warmer than the flesh blood IPA, which pulled out right. of the fridge at the same time. Right. I'll do an experiment. We'll do an experiment, just like the frozen glass experiment. Yes. But that used water, so those results are invalid. We're going to have to do that with beer now. Well, I'm just saying, as long as you use the same thing, but you're, you're we're getting too far into this. But anyway, but too far, we, we passed that point. Like, the, you, you, had, you did the frozen glass experiment, which is on YouTube. You can check it out. Um, that's a glass, and the point was a glass, which is an open container in an open environment. The point here is that this bottle did not feel as uh, cold as this can did and we didn't do a measurement so we don't know for sure but it didn't feel as cold this felt cold to me immediately this can felt colder than this bottle they were out of the fridge for the same amount of time so the question is is there something about cans perhaps the stoutness is there something measurable that we can show. Well, right, but then you said it has to be beer. Water would not be a suitable analog. No, water would be a suitable analog, but you can't you get. Just can, said you, it wasn't. You can't get canned water. But if the bottle's open and the can's open, then that's close enough, right? No, because and you can't get canned water. You can where? Sure. At the store, they sell canned water, like seltzer water. I think you can get not on unbubbly water too. Maybe, <laughs> maybe those are all in bottles. I don't know. Anyway, not important. <laughs> On to the flesh and blood IPA from Dogfish. <laughs> it's it's an interesting beer. So the aroma was a little bit juicy, you know, kind of that blood orange juice, pithiness from the peel maybe. Flavor, there's a big amount of malt here. Yeah, you know, like Dogfish seldom, if ever, makes like super hoppy mm-hmm. IPA. You know, their kind of thing, the 60 minute, the 90 minute, is big malt backbone. Maltier than almost any other IPA I can think of, you know, that goes by straight up IPA. And I think this one plays into their wheelhouse as well, right? Where there's a lot of malt coming to the show. Uh, caramel flavors, toffee flavors, mm-hmm. uh, bread crust, biscuity flavors, uh, as well as the fruit juice, the hops that are in there. <laughs> I don't know. It just tastes fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, it, enthused dramatically about it. It's a citrus IPA. It has a significant amount of juice added to it, right? It's it's one of those. And it's it's one of those. It's, it's it's like a grape yeah, like a grapefruit sculpin or something like that. Right? Mm-hmm. One of those that, you know, they add fruit to it to give it some, some extra dy- dynamic uh dynamism. The the fruit juice is is dominating most of those citrusy flavors. I can't tell where the hops are and, and the juice isn't. So I mean it's it's like one of those that's sort of half Radler or, or vaguely Radler esque, um, which is a fine drinking drink. I yeah, think. it's a fine drinker, but that's it. it there's mm-hmm. nothing really special I can say about it, or even that it's particularly good. Um, it's it's just kind of ordinary. Um, yeah, if, yeah, if if the stone was like a second tier. Like a forgotten offering from Grist House, <laughs> this would be sort of a, a mid tier, not not their best <laughs> stuff. Because, but, but but you know, they're mm-hmm. but it's just you know, it's it doesn't it's not expressive to me. It doesn't really have much going for it. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a, a a fruit juice and IPA that doesn't that feels kind of muddled and doesn't uh, it doesn't really give you that much distinction between them, right? You're not getting a lot of 
oh yeah, this is identify, identifiably blood orange. This is identifiably lemon that I could really right. sink my teeth into. Or there's some really distinctiveness here. No, it's very kind of very ordinary. Yeah, it's it's the the Jimmy Olsen of beers. <laughs> All right, then let's move on. Terrapin has uh, recently had a 14th anniversary. And they made a beer. A Tarte Belgian Red. In commemoration of their 14th anniversary. And that is known as the Terrapin 14th Anniversary Ale. So it is. So I imagine like a Flandersy type thing, but we'll see. How close it matches that. They just call it a tart Belgian red as opposed to a Flanders. Uh, 7.5% alcohol volume, 16 IBU. They use U.S. Goldings. It's hops. The malts that are used are two-row, dark Munich, aromatic, crystal 45, crystal 65, crystal 85, 45, 65, 85. So they're going by 20s. <laughs> and then special B, which is not special K. Uh... It's available in uh, spring 2016, so uh, this is relatively old, uh, but that should be fine for... Well, that's, yeah, I didn't... Yeah. Let's see, it was... Uh, yeah, it says vintage 2016, right. being a sour, tart Belgian red. I wasn't too worried with the right, yeah, not, freshness of it. Not super worried, especially, you know, 16 IBUs. This is not a beer that's really going to be trying to, to make itself known on mm-hmm. hops. Um, they use, they say, a lot of crystal malt for majestic color, fermented with lactobacillus and Belgian yeast strain. Uh, so there you go. So the color is a uh, hazy mahogany ish. Mahogany. Yeah. Aroma is cherries, tobacco, um, what else? Strawberry bit, rhubarb. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, there's a really fruity type aroma to this. You know, from the aroma, I would put it with like um, a what's the um, cherry beer from uh, Omegang? Um, oh, rose. Golly, rose something. Rose. Google save me. I'll look it up. You can smell and talk. It's almost a... You know what this is reminding me of? Those Lindemann cherry... They're not really cough drops so much as they're like sore throat drops. Rosetta is what I'm thinking of. I was thinking it was Rosetta, but I wasn't sure. This is... Okay, so there was an aroma that reminded me of those Lindemann's... Drops, which are very, they're, they're sugary sweet, but they're not like exceptionally sweet. So they're they're kind of nice, but they're still kind of candy. They're really more candy than that. Lindemans, they're Ludens. Ludens, that's it. Yes. yes. Um, moving on to the flavor, there's a big malt flavor here. It has kind of this Belgian Abbey double type flavor to it. So you're getting a lot of mm. toffee caramel. Some some pears. Yeah. So this a is little not, bit of prune. It's not a Flanders. Yeah. Like it's I kind said, of like, I said kind like, like a. Yeah. Is, is it a Flanders or a Tartar Red? It's a Tartar Red. Is much more. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting this like double base, and then it it has a, a pretty significant cherry flavor to it. I like your pear call a lot because I think there's definitely the expression of some appleish or pearish notes. <laughs> Why don't we split the difference? Call it Asian pear. I think that's a good call. Okay. So they get a bit of, a bit of green apple in the beginning. And then goes okay. on cherry and then sort of fades into pearish. With still a little bit of apple remaining, like a not now like a Granny Smith mm-hmm. or a okay. Red Delicious. For me, it finishes with kind of like that tart cherry juice like aftertaste. Yeah. Yeah. Finishes with that. A little bit, little bit of a grenadine. The, um, 
It's not. It almost seems to me like it's a, a, a Belgian double with tart cherries added to it as much as, like, like I'm not really getting, like, the lactobacillus type um, fermentation. Like, a But lactic. as far as I know, there's no cherries added to this. There's no oh, fruit okay. added at all. Okay. So, so maybe that is... must be what's causing it. But really, if you, you know, that's what this tastes like to me. I mean, tastes like... Uh, tart Michigan cherries added to uh, to the beer. So if that's the case, and there are no fruits added, which they, do, they don't ever say that there are fruits added on the website, and they do not say anything about mm-hmm. fruits okay. added on the all thing. Right. So it, all that estery note is coming from the yeast. That's fascinating yeah. because it's such a fruity thing. Yeah. They managed to get these yeast to make a lot of really interesting compounds. So kudos to them. Yeah, this this is a really interesting beer. There's a lot of uh, stuff going on here. This finally something to dig into tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some like you can even pull out like there's a little bit of orange peel maybe. There's um, a little grape must. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how they controlled the acid in this one because it's not very. Tart. I mean, there's yeah. a tartness to it, but it's like very limited. It's controlled. What was the last well, last last week? We had one that was like it said very you know minor tart, and it was like super yeah. tart. Yeah, th- th- this, this is controlled. yeah controlled. I mean, this is still like you know sour enough that if you don't like anything sour at all, then it will still kind of bug you. But it's not nearly the kind of puckery note. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. It reminds me of, you know, I keep going back to those Michigan cherries, right? It reminds me of things like um, Bell's Cherry Ale. And I'm trying to think of another example. Maybe Cerise from, no, I guess that one's not really as tart. I was going to say the one from Founders, but that's not as tart, if I remember right. Um, I like it. I like it, too. I like it, uh, I like it more than the other beers we had tonight. Okay. Um, that was the last beer, wasn't that it? That was the last beer. Womp womp. So I think you know where that's going then. Very predictable uh, at this point. We do a ranking. We mutter out some things about closing credits and say goodbye. Uh, why not? Why don't I go first? Go for it, man. Okay. So in fifth place, I'm going to put the stone because I felt that not only was it uh, unremarkable, but it was also kind of bland for what it was. Um, all that stuff thrown together, and uh, and really not much to say for it. Uh, I, I, I don't remember it, but I guess I really I really liked the last mint beer that you made, Stone, and not, uh, not feeling it this time. It just doesn't feel... doesn't feel special, guys. <laughs> Uh, in fourth place, I'm going to put the Dogfish Head. Another one. The these are two breweries that that I'm um, very high on, and these are two beers that I am not high on at all. Uh, I find them ordinary uh, in, uh, and just kind of not that not all that interesting. One and more, particularly from from the. I mean, this Stone one is like they're playing around. So they get a little bit of an excuse. Well, I mean, it almost sounds like, oh, we made a really good mint beer last time. Let's add coffee this time. Yeah. And so your, your results may vary. Dogfish Head, uh, I kind of, I, I expect more out of you, Dogfish Head. I expect more out of you, Sam. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's an also ran, right? Because it, yeah. it's, you know, oh my gosh, people are selling lots of citrus IPAs. Let's make a citrus IPA. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't, like. It's. it's I don't know. I just feel like they could have made more of a statement. They've made so much, so many interesting, complex, awesome stuff, and this put just some, feels put some haggis in it or something like that. This just feels like leftovers. Uh, in third place, the Flying Dog, which was another beer that was just kind of just okay. Um, I don't even remember much of it. I, I, I think it was. Did I have some problem with it? I don't. <laughs> I don't even remember. You thought it was uh, too bitter. Too bitter. Too bitter. But still better than the other two because at least it was expressive in some sense. Uh, in second place, uh, by far, uh, this is where things get different. 
Uh, and second place, just 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 by like a hair, uh, the new Belgium. Uh, excellent, really excellently done. Uh, Pilsner that defies a lot of your expectations for what a Pilsner might be uh, because of the way it's made. Because of there, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, artistry in how it's made that 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 comes out in the flavor. But um, if you're not looking for it, you may not find it, right? I mean, if you just grabbed one of these off the shelf and drank it uh, with your friends, you may not really find the the really expressive notes that we really looked we looked at when we were um, examining it. But in in first place, I'm going to put the Terrapin because I think it's uh, the only beer that you know, aside from the New Belgium, the only beer that had stuff really worth digging into. Uh, there were stuff that was interesting stuff that was going on. So New Belgium wins this round, or sorry, Terrapin wins this round. Jeff. All right. So from the bottom, I agree with you with the the stone. I think I liked it more than you, but not more than any of these other beers. I didn't. Th- I mean, the mint was still well done. It didn't taste fake. It tasted like real. Peppermint and tastes like real chocolate mint. It leaves. tasted a little extracty, but it t- peppermint oh. extract tastes fine. Yeah. I mean, to me, it tasted like peppermint. It tasted like, especially the chocolate mint leaves, like the you know the stuff that I've grown in my backyard. It tasted a lot like that. The it just it didn't. The rest of the beer didn't support that mint like the chocolate mint chocolate chip beer that they did previously, which was like like spot on replicate of the ice of an ice cream you know it was really well done this one's not so much that would have like sort of a big lactic note so that's something of thickness to it yeah yeah this one did not have really much body at all yeah i'm gonna put the dogfish in fourth place you know i mean i don't know i don't want to say what dogfish's motivations were but i mean they weren't early in the they say remember that their their slogan is off center ales for for something people right off center is that still for... their yeah it's still their logo yeah, yeah. off center ales for off center people um this is a very center ale <laughs> everyone selling yeah. a fruit juice yeah. ipa we better make one too that doesn't seem very off centered for off center people that seems like there's a market that we mm. want to try to get a piece of. <laughs> Which is not a great slogan, but it's not how a lot of businesses do well, operate. And, and breweries are businesses, <laughs> yes. so I don't fault them for that. Yes. But, you know, it's a it's a latecomer to if tropical IPAs, and it's not new. If you are, and we assume that because you're listening to the show that you are a distinguishing, like, you are a person who takes their beer seriously, this is not a serious yeah, I mean, I don't know. Tropical IPAs aren't the ones you're going to put under the microscope generally, right? They're beers you're going to just have as a good drinker. Shandy, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I don't hate tropical IPAs. I just This one's not noteworthy compared to other ones that I've had. I'm going to put the um, Flying Dog Azaka Single Hop in third place, just like Greg. I liked this one a lot more than Greg, too. I thought it had a really nice papaya cantaloupe type flavor to it um i was getting this creamier body maybe i got some yeast at the very bottom or something uh we think there was rye in the malt i enjoyed the spiciness that it was giving i like that beer um can i guess you're in one and two yeah sure new belgium number one terrapin number two yeah that's what i thought it's not that hard to guess no but i was Uh, like that's what i was thinking based on what you were saying that okay it's going to be most except for the first two or switch yeah, yeah. So uh, Terrapin's in second place. I liked this beer. It left a little bit on the table for me, you know, because um, I, th- I think that the malt, for, for me, the reason, what could have got it to first place would be if the malt was a little more rich and complex. Like it, it seems like. There's such a really interesting bouquet of fruit that there are no juices in there. Yeah, I mean, there is. There is. I, I, do, I don't want more sour. That's not that's not the thing that kept it from being in first place. I wanted. I wanted maybe a little more. It's uh, more of a platform. Oh, now it's, your, now it's now it's on your. No, I got a stink bug on my shirt. You do. I got a buddy. Hey, buddy. Um. If the if the Belgian yeast would have given it a little more. Uh, estuary, you know, something like that. I think it just it just seemed it left me a little bit wanting, and the 
New Belgium Pilsner. New Belgium Pilsner. I enjoyed that a lot. The, the body um, surprised me. I, I probably would have liked, you know, I like hoppy Pilsner, so I probably would have liked a little bit more Zotz, Hallertau, like up front. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this one, I just, great drinker. Um, but, I mean, you, you drink that, you wouldn't say that's a Pilsner. No, but I think it's a good beer. Yeah, I think it's a good beer, but it's interesting because you wouldn't sure. you wouldn't drink that and say, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a yeah, spot yeah, on yeah. I, I don't think I would. Well, yeah. it's not. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, I don't think it is up there with Pilsner Pilsner Kell as being like what you think of when you think Pils. Yeah. But I, I really like that beer. Trimmer, Trimmer is what I think of when I think of Pils. All right, Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit our website for more information on that. If you want to contact us, use Twitter at Jeff Bear at CBR Gray. Nice. Howdy, 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 Beer at craftbeerradio.com if you still use things like email. And if you want to send a self-addressed stamped envelope, we should do that. (laughs) We should have people send self-addressed stamped envelopes to us and we can throw shit in the envelope and send it back. Okay, you never know what you're going to get. The address is on our website. If you go to... The, um, the bottom is a bottom. Send, you want to send stuff to us is a link. Yeah. yeah, if you go to the bottom of the main page, there's a link about sending us beers. Did you change this so it's just a different uh, date for saver? This is a 2015 oh, saver. Check that. But anyway, you can get my address on the website. And if you send us a self addressed stamped envelope, we'll send you something back. Yeah. I don't know what we're sending you. Probably some stuff that. Uh, that either Allie or Max have, you know, <laughs> colored or something. But You're really selling that, Greg. Well, I mean... Make well, it a surprise. There could be something that you three doodled. Make it a right? surprise. There could be some stickers that we have from different various breweries. Uh, I don't know. There's lots of uh, various things. We can't send you a glass, unfortunately. That'll probably break it's in not envelope. a self-addressed stamped envelope. Yeah. No. Yeah. We can try to fit in the envelope, but it, like, yeah, I wouldn't trust the mail to, to get it. Yeah. All right, thanks everyone for listening. He came for his townhouse and his racing horses. Each meal she ate was a dozen courses.